I wanted to say, if you are new here at Hope today, we are so glad that you chose to worship with us today. Um, it's, a, it's an honor for us to, for you to give of your Sunday morning and check out a new place. We are better because of your presence here. So if you have any questions or you want to learn more about us, we'd love to talk to you at our Connection Center after or talk to any of us here. There's a lot of experts of hope present here, and we would love to get to know you more. Uh, I should introduce myself if you're new. I'm Kevin Sanders. I'm the lead pastor here uh, as of a week ago. So that's exciting, right? There you go. It's a good week. I had a few people come in Monday. How's your first day going? And I'm like, I'm tired. I'm tired. It's just crawling into the week. But hey, that's all right. We're here. Thank you all for making last week so special when we got to celebrate God's faithfulness here at Hope, celebrate what he's been up to and where he's leading us. It's a truly special day. It was an honor to have you be such a big part of it. So thank you for that. Now here we are, week five of Momentum. We only have two weeks to go after this. You can see up on the screen where we've been, and you can see where we're going. Now today, well, when you think of this series, in a lot of ways, it's about putting our foot on that gas pedal and just pressing down a little bit more than we have been. We've just been increasing our speed a little bit and pushing forward. And today is all about increasing the amount and the frequency of our generosity. So we're going to talk about our two most valuable assets. First, there's our time, and then there's our money. You see, our time equals our talents. When we put our time into something, we get to share our God-given gifts in service to God and service to others. It's using our time to advance the kingdom of God. And yes, for some reason, I felt it uh, wise to talk about money, giving, tithing, all that fun stuff. My very first Sunday as your installed lead pastor. Why in the world would I do that? <laughs> I'm crazier than you thought, I guess. Here's the thing. For whatever reason, we don't talk we don't like to talk about money in church. It's usually reserved for guest pastors, right? We had one last week. We have one next week. What am I doing? But that is not how I like to lead. And I want you to know that, that I value diving into the difficult topics, trusting that we as a community can navigate it well together. And this is an issue of which I'm deeply passionate about because it's such a big part of life. Think about it. We talk about money every single day. Every single day, we, we, we have these conversations with our family, our friends. Uh, Miles, he's my four-year-old boy. He really wants to go to Disney. He really wants to go to Disney because he believes all the Disney characters and now all the Star Wars characters and now all the Marvel characters live in Cinderella's castle. So he wants to go visit them at their home. Uh, it's actually kind of funny. He'll say, so dad, is Darth Vader there? I'm like, yeah, he's there. Is it good Darth Vader? Is it bad Darth Vader? And I say, well, son, when he's bad, he's Darth Vader. When he's good, he's actually Anakin, and he turns back into Anakin at the end. So he's always good? No. There's always good in him, but he wasn't living into that good. Don't talk to this Chad. He's of this Empire Did Nothing Wrong movement. Him and Ethan Van Landigen. Don't listen to them, all right? And that. Wow, we're already off topic. I blame Chad. 
No, you see, so he really, 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 really wants to go to Disney. Disney costs a little bit of money. Did you know that? Yeah, it costs a lot of money. So we told him, oh, we're not able to go soon. He goes, okay. And so the next day he says, can we go to Disney today? Well, no. The next day, can we go today? No, no, not today. We have him out to when he turns eight now. So we're four years ahead. If eight comes and goes without us going to Disney, you may want to search for my body, okay? (laughs) This kid wants to go to Disney, and we're trying to explain him it costs money, so he's been saving up his money. He's up to like 20 bucks. That's great. That won't quite get us to the airport, but he's doing his part, so that's good. But we talk about this. We talk about our own bills we have to pay with our what bills are coming up. We talk about going out to eat. Do we want to go to the nice place, or do we want to settle for McDonald's? we talk about giving money to our kids. Kids, has anyone asked for uh, money from your parents today yet? Okay, one more hour, and I bet. Like, oh, yeah, by the way, could I have money to go do this with my friend? Right? It's this constant conversation that is just a normal part of what we talk about in our families. So as a result, it needs to be normal for this family, too. How we handle our time, our finances, our giving, it's all a part of generous living. At the heart of it, all these things are spiritual matters. Jesus teaches us to live a life of servanthood, where we share of our time and our talents, and of sacrifice, which includes our treasure. So we're going to wade into this topic, and it might be a little uncomfortable for some of us. But remember, here at Hope, we're not overly concerned with your comfort. True, though. You laugh. But we want you to be comfortable, but even more so, we want you to grow and to to gain uh, uh, this life of transformation. We want to constantly be walking closer into the image of God he's created us to be. So, we're not too concerned about your comfort, but we are deeply concerned about your spiritual health. So that's why we're talking about this. Now, it's my hope we can walk away from this message feeling encouraged, inspired even, but for some of us, it's going to speak a little bit closer to some hard truths that could be kind of difficult, but necessary for us to hear. I hope you hear, though, that through this sensitive topic, it's not my intention for anyone to be offended, okay? I'm doing my very best to approach this with care and with love for all of us, but I also know sometimes we can confuse being offended with being convicted. Okay? So that's the disclaimer. Always fun when you have a disclaimer before a message, isn't it? Who's ready to dive in? Or do you want to call it a day? Do you want to say, no, it's this thing, Jesus paid it all. He paid it all so we don't need to pay anything. Right? No, let's dive in. We're going to go to God's word together. We're going to read Matthew 25, 14 through 30. It's the parable of the talents. You'll find it on page 702. As many of you know, Jesus would frequently teach in parables, which are these kind of word pictures or stories that communicate deep truths that communicated to the time in his day, but also still communicate to us today. Uh, And they often centered around what life was like in the kingdom of God. And that's what this parable is talking about today. So Matthew 25, starting at verse 14, hear the word of the Lord. Again, the kingdom of God will be like a man who is going on a journey, calls his servants, and entrusted his wealth to them. 
To one of them, he gave five bags of gold. And to another, two bags. To another, one bag. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work. And he gained five bags more. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off. He dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. So after a long time, the master of those servants returned, and he settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. So his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share the master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seeds, so I was afraid. I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew I harvest where I have not sown, and you gather, I gather where I have not scattered seed? You should have at least put the money on deposit with the bankers so that I could, when I returned, I could have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him. Give it to one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Welcome to Hope Church. <laughs> we don't care about your comfort, weeping, gnashing, and teeth. Oh my goodness. So in this parable, the master represents God. The servants represents us, called to serve him. He's entrusted things to us, and we're called to put them to work. So the master gives each servant the amount according to his ability. The first man, he, he went at once, it says. He gave the very first fruits of his time into his appointed task, and he put his money to work. He did not hesitate, and then he doubled the amount. Now the same happens with the second. He invested his time and money wisely and right away and doubled the amount. And we know the third, he digs a hole and buries it. He doesn't invest much time, just that amount of time it takes to dig a hole, and he didn't invest any money. So the text says, after a long time, the master returned. We don't know how long, but what we do know is there was ample time for these workers to do something with what they were given. There couldn't have been the excuse of there not being enough time. Also, with a lot of time, they had to be faithful stewards over a long period of time, trusting their work was not going to go to waste, and also trusting the master would return someday. 
And he does. And so the first two, what does he say? But well done, good and faithful servant. Been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Just love that response. I think that's the response we all long to hear when the master returns or when we go to the master. He is joyful and he extends that joy to those who were obedient and generous. And he gives the same response to the man who had five and the man who had two. It shows it's not about how much they were entrusted. What was important was their faithfulness and utilizing their time, their gifts, and their potential. Meaning, no matter your stage of life, no matter your net worth, we all have something to give according to our stage of life, according to our means and ability. But that poor third servant, right? He gets a bad rep, but rightly so. He made some serious mistakes. He was fearful. I was afraid. You're a harsh master. I didn't want to upset the apple cart. He was also lazy. He did not put in any time. He exemplified poor stewardship. He didn't spend the money, so that's a good thing. He didn't take it and run. Part of him really thought what he was doing was totally fine and totally normal. Maybe he didn't want to risk losing it, so he played it safe. He knew he could have done more with it. But he also knew there was less he could have done. He could have just taken it and run. So in a way, he seemed to feel justified by playing it safe. How many of us ever feel that way? You know, well, I volunteer sometimes, certainly more than Frank, right? Frank never signs up for anything. Or I give now and then, but maybe it's not too regular. But again, it's way more than Frank. I watch him when we pass the plate, and he never puts anything in. Well, we know that's not the way to go with this thing. So the master, the third man says to him, he's making all these excuses, justifying his inaction by saying he was playing it safe. He made excuses, and he avoided doing what the master had called him to do. But if God is our master, when he calls, he longs for us to obey willingly. For our time, our abilities, and even our money, we know are not ours in the first place. We are caretakers. We are stewards of all that we have. All that we've received is from God, and he has entrusted it to our care. And he's called us to live and serve him to indeed be a living sacrifice for him. As for the master's response to the one who played it safe, Jesus' point is clear. He gets angry with those who either out of fear or apathy refuse to invest and instead keep their time and treasures and God-given gifts to themselves for their own selfish desires. When we bury these things in the ground, it's of no good or use to anyone. Living generously. It means giving our time to the good work that God has called each of us to do for the sake of his kingdom. 
which means using our God-given gifts. And it means giving our treasures back to God for the sake of his kingdom. It's to live in this obedience to God the master, expecting sacrifice, but sacrificing anyway for the joy that comes on the other side. Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. This is straight from the one who gave it all. Sacrifice, it's not simply giving something up. We know that. It's not simply giving something up. When we talk about sacrifice, we usually focus on what we give up. But almost always a sacrifice is made because of what is gained. It's giving something up for the sake of something else. Something we have determined is more valuable than what we're giving up. This is the first Sunday of Lent. When we sit back and reflect on all that God has given up for us. When we journey to the cross with Jesus, knowing his sacrifice. When many of us choose to sacrifice things we love for the sake of drawing closer to our Lord and Savior in this time. And we know generosity is the very best antidote to greed. And what is greed but selfishness on steroids, right? Selfishness unchecked. Greed is this natural gear of our sinful nature. If we don't check it, we will naturally drift that way. Think about Adam and Eve. They were greedy to be like God. Without intentionality, we will all slide towards that greed and selfishness. It's that sinful nature within us. But this is what I believe. Despite that great news, we all desire to be generous. We want to be generous people. Because if you think about it, we were all made in the image of God. And there was no one more generous than our Lord who gave everything. And he continues to give us everything. He sustains our every breath. Every beat of our hearts beats because he wills it. We know the verse, John 3, 16. He so loved the world that he gave his son. He gave because he loved. Sacrifice is making an investment with a guarantee of a greater return for we are investing in the kingdom, a sacrifice of love. And Jesus says when we seek his kingdom first, he'll take care of all the rest. If we give up our lives, if we give up our riches, he will bless us with an abundant and everlasting life. Now, we're not guaranteed earthly riches. Let me be very clear. This is not a prosperity gospel we're preaching up here. That's not how it works. But we're filling up our spiritual bank accounts. And we get to experience a life of fullness that is only found in Christ, not in earthly things. The kind of sacrifice Jesus calls us to, it does not leave us with nothing. It's a sacrifice that turns into an investment. It's like planting crops that eventually yield a hundredfold return. He calls us to invest, to sell everything and buy the kingdom. Because it's actually worth way more than what we currently have. A wise person gives away what he cannot keep to gain what he can never lose. 
I like that. I'm going to say that again. A wise person gives away what he cannot keep to gain what he can never lose. Our treasures on earth, we turn away for our treasures in heaven. When we invest in the kingdom, God's kingdom spreads. Lives are impacted and changed and won for Christ through his kingdom efforts. I want you to think about your biggest financial weakness. Is it shoes for you? Do you like to buy shoes? I like to buy shoes. I like to buy shoes when I got them on discount. I don't get them on discount anymore, so I don't like to buy shoes anymore. Maybe you like to eat out a lot. You just love eating out. Maybe it's Disney World, big vacations, that kind of thing. Maybe it's clothes. Uh, for me, my biggest weaknesses, besides McDonald's, is this right here, pocket knife. All right? Where's the other one? It's in this pocket. I got a lot in my pocket. Fountain pens. Okay, you would think I was born in the 1800s. <laughs> Fountain pens and pocket knives. I could spend a lot of money on these things. I remember the first time I bought a pocket knife that was more than $30. I was like, oh, man, I'll never do this again. That's a lot of money. I won't tell you my most expensive pocket knife purchase is substantially more than $30. You get this for substantially more than an expensive knife. It's the same thing as the $30 knife. Who knew? They cut soon. Kind of crazy. I love these things, though, okay? In terms of earthly possessions, I... I, I, I really enjoy them, and I have a whole wish list of things I could spend. Now, Meg is wise. She has us on this really good budget right now. I said it's a good budget. These restrictions are good. I'm saying that with a smile because I believe it. I'm trying to believe it. It is very good because I need that restraint because that greed and selfishness thing, if I had it my way, I would just be spending all this money on pocket knives and fountain pens. But I'm not. But then Meg is also wise. I already said that she's wise in another way. She's saying, hey, Kevin, if you really like these things, you can come up with some creative way to be able to purchase them, you know, save up. for. So, hey, maybe if you just uh, sell some of your old stuff, you could use that money to buy another pocket knife or pen. I think she was alarmed with how ambitious I was in selling things and posting them on Facebook Marketplace, okay? She's like, whoa, she has drive. Look at this. I had creativity because of that. I had drive, ambition, and passion, all for the sake of little things like pocket knives and pens. But what if we have the same persistence and desire to see the kingdom expand as we do to acquire the stuff we like? Does the way we handle our time and our finances show that deep love and desire and passion for the kingdom to spread? If a complete stranger were to look at our transaction history, what would they say we value most by what they see? And would we feel proud of what they see? Or would we feel shame or embarrassed? And we have time weaknesses too. It's not just financial. Like, I don't really want to help my neighbor because they're kind of chatty, right? And if I get talking to them, you know, Survivor comes on in 30 minutes. It's the best show in the world, and I don't want to miss it. Season 40, Winners at War. Anyone watching it? It's my favorite show. Anyone? There it is. I saw a few hands. Raisin Proud. It's a great show. But I don't want to miss it, so I'm not going to help my neighbor, even though that's what we're called to do. 
I'd rather do my own thing. Or I don't want to serve at church if I have to learn how to do something new. Or I've already served there so many times, I don't want to keep serving there. What if a complete stranger saw a time breakdown of our week? What would they say we valued most? Obviously, we have to work, we have to do these things, all of that, taking that into consideration. But living generously comes with a sacrifice. That is what it means to be a part of this kingdom work. Everyone giving their all for the sake of God's mission and call. When we consider living generously, we usually get stuck thinking about that sacrifice. That thing that we have to give up. It paralyzes us from action. Think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Take this cup from me, Lord. When he says that, what's he doing but focusing on the sacrifice? Him. But then what does Jesus do? He moves beyond that sacrifice. He looks to the joy that's on the other side. Not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Because the Lord's will will always bring joy with it on the other side. Obedience leads to sacrifice. And on the other side of sacrifice in the kingdom of God is abundance and joy. Treasure in heaven is where it counts. Joy in this world as we see God multiply what we give back. Our generous God has poured out everything for us. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Romans 8, 38, 39, not even the powers of hell can separate us from the overwhelming love of God. If this is our identity, children who have been lavished upon by our Father, what will we do with what he has poured into us? We have a couple options. Probably wondering what this beautiful display is up here. This says, God's blessings. I put the tape over the X. My apologies. We can either be a bucket. God pours his blessings into us. And we get to experience it and enjoy it. But keep it all to ourselves. And that's it. Or, instead, God can pour his blessings into each of us. And we can choose to be a funnel in which we then in part pour out the same blessings to those around us. We can hang on to it for ourselves or we can pour it out to others because we are blessed to be a blessing. So we can either be a bucket or a funnel. Funnel has the word fun in it. That's not, (laughs) that's not a circumstance. It's not a, what's the word I'm saying? It's not a coincidence. That's like my mother-in-law would say, that's a God incident. That's not a word, but that's what she would say. God has called each of his children to be radically generous with all he has given us. Each of us, according to our graph up on the screen here, you'll see in your notes, if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to fill this out. Top left quadrant says laborer, the front top right, good and faithful servant, bottom left consumers, bottom right investors. Y axis, I see up and down one, time talents. X axis, side one, says treasure. Now the goal is for us to have a high calibration of generosity in both our time and our treasure. That would be the upper right quadrant, means where we give a lot of our time and our talents, sharing of our gifts, 
and we're giving of our treasure. What's that category say? It says good and faithful servant, where we are being radically generous with what God has given us. Now, our stage or season in life, as I've said, dictates the calibration of how much of each of these we are able to give. For instance, we, uh, for giving of our treasure, the dollar amount per family will be different based on that family's life circumstance. The beauty is the dollar amount doesn't matter. It's a level of faithfulness to what we are giving back to God. We have a biblical mandate that suggests a 10% minimum to start with the tithe. And so even though the dollar amount would be different, the level of faithfulness is the same. But then on the other hand, you could be high in your time and talents, labor, but not everyone is in a position to be, gave, be able to give a lot of their time and talents. Perhaps you have a physical limitation or you have a very busy family schedule where you're actually pouring into your kids and not all that and you can't volunteer as much, but you still can give something. You can still live generously with that. So the place you're in in your life dictates the way we are able to be generous. So if you're high in your time talents, you're able to, you're the, you're the, the hands-on, making the ministry happen type of workers. We so value you. Without you, these things wouldn't happen. A laborer is someone who gives of their time and talents but isn't giving of their treasure very much or very generously. An investor is someone who's a little bit more hands-off, but holding up all of our ministry by investing the resources required for those ministry efforts to continue. We so value you. We need that. But you maybe don't have quite as much skin in the game with your hands on the work. Now, the goal is, if you're in one of those, that is good. We celebrate that. But we want to shift as best we can to take a small, tangible step towards good and faithful servant, where we're being generous with both. The one we are not comfortable with, the one we're desiring to not live in, is the bottom left, where we are low in our time and talents, and we are low in giving of our treasure. We say consumers. I had originally had the word leech in there, and Allison said, you can't say that. I just said it. <laughs> A consumer, someone who is there to receive, and a lot of times, let's be clear, that's not intentional. It's not an intentional decision. It's just, I'm enjoying it. I'm along for the ride. There's people that are doing the ministry, people who are a little bit maybe financially able to give more than me. It's all good. And yet, that's not how God has called us to live. He has called us to be generous in our time and our treasure. So the question for us to consider together is, what next step do we need to take to increase the momentum of our generosity? Maybe it means signing up for one of our many ministry teams. There is a Hope Littles, a Hope Kids, a Journey Mid, a Journey High, a Sanctuary Greeter, a Connection Team. There's coffee servers. There's board greeters. There's the prayer team. There's the sound team, the worship team, the video team. There's a lot more. There's a lot of ways for you to serve. And we would love for you to step up and say, I'm in. I want to give it a go. Or maybe, if you haven't been able to give very faithfully financially, it's simply working on consistency of giving and to work up to taking small but tangible steps towards that 10% of a regular tithe. The natural thing that pops in your head is, yeah, but now's not a good time. Now's not, we got these bills to pay, we have these kids, and, you know, we got to take care of them, I guess, and feed them, and dogs, and whatever. Not a good time. 
you know what? It never feels like a good time. Let me just be a little vulnerable with you. I have $80,000 of student debt. $80,000. How I would love, in part, to put our weekly tithe towards that to pay that off as quickly as I can. But we don't. Even when it hurts, we write that check each week. Meg writes it. I don't. (laughs) Even though it hurts, Meg writes that check each week, trusting that God will bless our sacrifice. And you know what? He has. He has. We have seen it. He does. I may be paying that 80000 off till I die. But I will do so knowing I'm pouring back into this man. Because that's what God has called us to do. Now specifically here at church, what does this look like? Giving of your time supports our current initiatives. We have a ton of amazing ministry happening here. None of it is possible without those who faithfully and generously serve. But honestly, we still have a lot sitting on the bench, sitting on the sidelines, and we need you. You have gifts that are not being used for the sake of God's work rightfully. And generosity with finances, it doesn't just pay the bills. It doesn't just pay the paycheck. It supports both our current and future ministries here. So what would it look like for an uptick in both of these areas at church? We would have less weary workers. (laughs) We are like a lot of churches in the world where there are too few people doing too much of the ministry. But we would also have increased opportunities for others to experience the incredible gift we have all experienced in Christ through even stronger and more frequent outreach initiatives. With more finances, we could not only keep and maintain a healthy balanced budget, which we do, but we could expand our ministry efforts. Because each year we set our budget kind of based on how our giving's been in the past year. What would it look like for us to be able to significantly expand our ministry efforts and how much we as a church can then give beyond our basic cost and give? One of my dreams, my longings, is to be able to offer just a small stipend to our many ministry leaders who collectively put in over 50 hours of volunteer unpaid work a week. What would it look like for us to be able to give so generously that we can say, you know what, giving is up so much, we can now show you a small token of appreciation for what we're doing. If we are generous, if we are faithful, and if we continue to grow in these areas, we can then be ready for wherever it is God leads us as a church without any worry or concern that we don't have enough hands to do the work or money to make it happen. For when the Lord says go, we never want to have to say we can't. Even more than that. To live generously, it is a personal spiritual issue. It is how God has called us to live to be ones who pour back out, to be a funnel, not a bucket. We do not want to be spiritual consumers. We want to be spiritual contributors, expanding this kingdom, for that is what he has called us to do. And it is my, I hope you hear my heart, it is my deep, heartfelt desire for all of us to get over whatever may be offense or pain or shame or guilt we may feel in this moment, any uncertainty we have, Come and realize the freedom we experience by taking those small steps of obedience when we give a life of giving back to God. He gave and gives us everything.
I think you know my heart enough to know, too, I'm not suggesting we're not generous. We are generous in so many ways. But we are always called to more. Because living generously means giving up our control to God. And that is hard. And trusting that God can do abundantly more with our money than we can. What you keep is all you have. But what you give away, God multiplies. Think of feeding of the 5,000. That boy just kept that meal for himself and his little family. That's that. No stories. He gave it. What did God do? He multiplied it. He fed over 5,000 people. What we keep here on this earth will fade away. Rust and moths will destroy it. But what we give God, he will use for his kingdom and his glory. And it stores up treasures in heaven that will never fade. Has God led us astray before? Not on your watch. Kingdom success, not how much we gain, how much we give away. And kingdom wealth, it's not just about the individual, it's about our whole community flourishing. It's about the common good, not our own personal prosperity. See, the church in Acts, they all gave and shared what they had, and it said, There was no needs among them. Can we trust when God calls us to live in this generous, sacrificial way that he has our best interest in mind? Absolutely. Absolutely we can trust that. Talking about money, you can take that to the bank. All right? Let's strive to be people who give of our time our talents, our treasures, diligently, obediently, and faithfully, in hope and trust that when we come face-to-face with our master, he may say to each and every one of us, well done, good and faithful servant. You know what? You were not a bucket. You didn't bury your treasures in the ground. You were a funnel. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come. And share in my joy, my happiness. May it be so for all of us. Let's pray. God, you have given us everything. You have blessed each and every one of us here so abundantly. The sheer fact we can all be present to worship you today is testament to that. God, as we sit here, you know our hearts. You know our lives. You know that there are some of us here today that can consider our lives and be proud of the faithful work we are doing. And we know that you just encourage us to stay the course, to stay faithful, to continue to pour out and bless. And Lord, you know too that there are some of us that feel a bit convicted this morning. And wondering how we can step up. We all long for you to say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. And yet, Lord, through it all we know of your deep love for us. We know you gave us everything. So we could have life with you. And not just a simple life, but an abundant life. So God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, will you move in us each today? 
to reflect on all the blessings we have, and we give you thanks. You are such a good God. You are so loving, and we know we give because you gave us everything. So encourage us to take those small next steps, Lord. We don't have to be big. We don't have to be massive. Just these small steps, one big one, will lead to the big results of your kingdom. So we give you thanks, Lord. We praise your name. And it's in Jesus' name we all pray, saying, Amen.